You can turn your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll just read two verses. So when you find it, would you stand? We'll honor the Word of God. I'm going I'm to start in verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. I want to preach this morning a little while on fillable vessels and probably move to that vessel of honor uh, later. Father, I just ask you to have your way in this service this morning. I pray, God, that you'd help us to open the door to our hearts and allow you to speak to us, to work in us, to move in us, and, Lord, that we would respond to what thus saith the Lord. Lord, I just ask you uh, to be exalted and lift up the name of Jesus in our midst. May the Holy Spirit do his work here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I want to preach on fillable vessels this morning. It's really the introduction to another a series on this on this uh, vessel of honor. You know, uh, some of us have got the idea that that the gospel is about me missing hell and finding heaven. That is a product, and I thank the Lord for it. But that's just a beginning place. And uh, I, that gospel was given to me that I might become the vessel of honor to carry his gospel to a lost, dying world. And he said that in verse uh, 20 and 21. <clears throat> But when God says vessels, he's not talking about half-filled vessels. Over in John chapter number 2, at the, uh, at the first of the, uh, of the miracles in the book of John, verse 5 says, His mother said to his servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Kind of random, isn't it? And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. Over to Philippians, and I've got several verses that I want to go to this morning, but in Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is, is, is dealing with the walk of a Christian. It's easy to say the words of a Christian. And all across the country this morning, they're saying, can you say you're saved? Well, can you? A few can. 
There's a few more that didn't catch the question, I think. But salvation is not a walk, uh, not a word, it's a walk. And he uses this example, he says in 18, Be not drunk with wine, for in his excess. Some of you understand the control factor of the wine. That's what he's talking about. You know, the guy who's the, the big tough guy, under the influence of the wine, he'll put tears in his beard, all that kind of stuff. Or the little wimp, he can whip anybody in the house when he's under the control of the wine. Folks that can't sing a note, sing at the top of their voice under the control of the wine. It's a control he's talking about. He says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But then he says, but be filled. If we take John chapter 2, it's filled to the brim. It's really a continuous action verb. It means filled and filled and filled and filled. Continually filled. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, he says. And there's a whole list of things that we could talk about that happen to the person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I want to back from that. I want to, over in, over in Timothy, he talks about the vessels. He said there's the vessel of gold, a vessel of silver, a vessel of wood, a vessel of earth, a vessel of honor, and a vessel of dishonor. Over in Romans... Uh, chapter number uh, in Romans chapter number 9 he says this in verse in verse number 20 of Romans 9 Nao man who art thou that repliest against God Shall the thing formed uh, say unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? He sung that song, said, You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me, shape me, make me after your will. He just got through singing. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another vessel unto wrath. What if God willing to show his wrath and make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore appeared prepared unto glory. Well, there's at least four types of vessels. There's wood, clay, gold, silver. There's vessels of wrath and mercy and honor and dishonor. In those passages, there's at least four. I believe you could take the wood and the, wood and the clay and the, and, the, uh, and, and the gold and the silver and compare them to those two. I'm not going to do that. But he's at least talking about four vessels. There's a vessel that's no good, the vessel of wrath, the vessel that's thrown away, had a leak, it couldn't hold water, couldn't receive water, something. But then there's, in the house, there's those vessels of honor. We're talking about the house of God, vessels of honor and dishonor. The first mark, I, I thought about this, but I didn't ever do it. It was raining outside. I thought about, I've got a aerobic septic system. 
And every once in a while, those, those little sprinklers rise up and chick, 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 chick. And they spray good-looking water all over my yard. I thought about going out there and getting a vessel full of that water and bringing another vessel empty and filling it with real, pure, clean water. I thought about taking that vessel and going down and seeing if anybody wanted to drink out of that vessel. You say, well, you're bringing that up. I'm talking about a vessel of honor and a vessel of dishonor. There's some vessels. Hey, Paul says this, but I'm not going there. Some of us who call ourselves vessels of the Lord bring him. Our vessel is so full of the filth of this world that no one would want to drink of the, of the water we carry. See, the vessel of honor is filled with, first of all, it's purified and cleaned and, and it's ready. And then it's filled with the pure water, the word of life. And we carry that to the world. You're carrying, if you're saved, you've got something in your vessel. But God's will for every one of us in those two, those two verses I read, one in Ephesians and one in John, God never wants us half full. God never wants two or three firkins. What God wants is filled to the rim. They used to have that commercial about brim coffee, and they'd, they'd say, fill it to the rim with brim. Well, huh? A Maxwell House or something. I don't know what it was. Anyway, fill it to the brim. Are you running over with God this morning? Well. I doubt if many of us could say that we are. We may be running over with the sports world. I mean, all we've heard all week is the is that that marathon is being run in Dallas this morning or that the Cowboys are playing somebody or that the or, or that TCU is now in the is it the Orange Bowl one of the bowls playing Michigan State and so we get excited and we're half full of the news and the views of the world Did you know you cannot fill a vessel that's already full? I, I know some of you have seen that illustration of the guy who puts the big rocks and the little rocks in the sand, and then he finally pours the water in. And he keeps saying, is it full? Is it full? We're not full until we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. We're not full. So I want to talk about, first of all, and let me, I know I've given you this illustration time after time. As a boy, we got our water from the windmill. We did not have city water. But out at the windmill, it pumped into a barrel, a wooden barrel, and the barrel overrun into a ditch. The ditch ran down through the garden. And my mother would water the garden with the water running down that day. And then from there it went to the chicken pen. And from there down to the cow lot. And, and so that's how the water was. And my job, in our house there was a, a table about this size. And there was all kinds of buckets set on that table. We called it the water table. My mother expected those buckets to be full when she started to cook or if she was washing dishes or whatever she needed water for, she wanted water in those buckets. 
Now, we were poor people, and we'd gathered our buckets up from here and yonder. My mother had a great big white red-rimmed bucket over here that would hold about three gallons of water. Somewhere in here, there was an old milking bucket that had been kicked and bent. An old galvanized bucket hold about two gallons. So what is the vessel of honor? I think we could really, I think we could give a definition to, to and I think this, maybe this will put it in you. See, she wants every bucket full. And by the way, if that, if that water begins to get a little slick, you know what my mother would do? She'd just jolt the dough and throw it all out. And I've got a whole table full of empty buckets. And my job is to keep the water buckets full for my mother. So what's the, that, that big white pretty bucket over there, that's my mother's favorite bucket. But don't tell her, but that's not the vessel of honor. The vessel of honor is the vessel that is filled on a regular basis. The vessel of honor may not be the best looking vessel on the table, but it's the vessel that is cleaned and ready and fillable. And get this, it goes to the fountain every day. My little galvanized milk bucket was the vessel of honor. It had dents. But see, we lived in the panhandle of Texas. About this time of the year, you don't want to spill that water on your blue jeans. And if you 11 or 12 years old carrying water, a three-gallon bucket's just about more than you can carry. And if you go there, you do want a full bucket. So my little milk bucket made a lot of trips to the well. That big white one never went to the well. He looked good. My mother loved him. But he was not the vessel of honor because he never went to the well. Let me put it in perspective. Here we are. As some of us carrying a Bible under our arm that we hadn't opened in a week. Some of us hadn't prayed in months. We may be the deacon or the teacher or the singer or the who knows what. And we look so good this morning. We got our tie on. We was working back there in the back one day, and I said, I'm ready to get my tie on. And they, they, Daniel and these guys didn't know what that meant. Put your tie on, you're through with that kind of work. <laughs> We're up here doing this kind of work now. But you can put your tie on yeah. and go to church and be churchy without ever going to the well. That old big boy sat there day after day. I would fill him three times a day with my, my vessel of honor, but he never went to the well. Baptists, my question for today is, are you the vessel of honor? The vessel of honor is cleaned up and ready. The master puts his hand on him and takes him to the well. He's filled at the well. And then he is poured out for the needs of a thirsty generation. Over in Psalm chapter 1, he says, he said the, the servant of that man of honor, that servant of God of honor is like a tree Planted where? By the river. 
not in the river, not a damming up the river, but by the so passing on some water down to that dry, thirsty land. The vessel of honor. I mean, the shade is there. I remember going to Canyon Lake with our family to camp and uh, we pulled in there in dark and parked and looked like it might be a good place. We got up the next morning by 9 o'clock. It was so hot on that side of that lake you couldn't stay there. And I told Susie, we can't stay out here. I'm going to find us a place. It was amazing. I went down around the lake and off down toward New Braunfels and there on the side of the road was a sign that said Camp Beans. So I pulled into Camp Beans. There wasn't anything on Camp Beans except the river. There was no super duper facilities. It was just the river. And 35 or 40 foot trees hanging out there. And that cool water coming down that river air conditioned that whole valley. We camped there that year and the next year and the next year and the next year. We stayed, we stayed at Camp Beans for years. Now they've got, they've got a big uh, tourist trap there, but then it was just the old rancher. I asked him one time, do you want me to get you some customers? He said, he finally broke, broke out one old card. It was kind of bent and beat up and handed it to me. And he said, you be careful who you give that to. Hey, if you had long hair, you wasn't camping at Camp Beans. If you came in with a bottle, he'd throw you out. He guarded Camp Beans. Well, here we are at the river. What are we going to do with it? There is... On that water table, there is an unfillable vessel. Go over to Isaiah with me, Isaiah chapter number 14, and see the enemy's predicament. Verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Listen to his title, Son of the Morning. Now, Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy, and you do well that you hang on to it till the day star arise in your heart. The day star is the sun, wouldn't you say? And here's, a, here's an angel who has a title, the son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of... I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell and to the sides of the pit. I'm going to stop there. What was his problem? He's called the son of the morning. And if you read your Bible, you'll find a great description of his beauty and his abilities. But he's cast out of heaven. And, and God said, you're cast down to hell. What's your problem, Lucifer? Same problem most of us have. I. Five times in that verse, if I counted right. I. We come to church. Somebody didn't notice my hairdo. And I go off in a tiff. Or I didn't, I, they used him to sing or her to sing and they didn't use, they never used me. I wanted to say hello to brother so and so and he wouldn't even shake my hand. Hey, 
the day star has arisen with healing in his wings. And if we could get to him, if we could let him fill our vessel, this whole week would be better for you. This life that's so dreary and hard and, I mean, all of a sudden, every day's springtime. All of a sudden, there's that excitement and desire. Hey, we had the funeral for a great man of God here this week. Not, he wasn't great because of his name. He was great because of his desire. I mean, he, he took a physical beating that most of us will never even know. But when he's crippled and, and his daughter's sitting in his chair this morning, we're going to put a sign on that chair. Jonathan said to David, your seat will be empty and you'll be missed. And me and Michelle have got a plan to put that sign on that chair back there. I've watched him all these months, all these years. He sat right there. He could, he could barely make that chair. He came in with a, with a, uh, a cane or he came in with a, a walker and could barely make the chair. And time after time after time, the phone would ring. Say, Brother White, didn't make it this morning. I'm sorry. You know what he was there for? He's a vessel. He needs to be filled up again. He's got a job to do. He's got, he's not, not just a way of passing time. It's not just a duty I have to do, but it's, I mean, the, the joy of my life is to be in the presence of the Lord and doing his work. He had a problem with too much eye, Lucifer. Tom had, may have had a problem with too little eye. I don't think you can have that problem. But I, I'd say today he's, he is rewarded for those days that he apologized for not being able to get here. So I want to look at our problem. See, if we look at Lucifer, he's a vessel that's unfillable. He's already filled up with himself. If you go over to Romans chapter number Seven, uh, chapter 8 with me. I think it's Romans 7. I wrote down 8, but I think it's 7. Yeah, it's 7. No, 8. 8 verse 5. 8 5. <clears throat> Let's move from us move from the enemy to, to who we are. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Brother Stan was telling me about, no, wasn't Brother Stan. Somebody told me this morning about aches and pains. Was that you, Stan? No. Somebody told me about uh, doing something they do ever. Oh, it was uh, Brother Donald. And he was talking about he found some aches that he didn't know he had the, the other day. I did too. <laughs> they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Hey, when you get an ache, when it's your back, your neck, your foot, your whatever, that's what you'll think about too, isn't it? And they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. There's a principle here now. To be carnally minded is death. That word carnal is Paul's word for, for living for your flesh. The lust of the flesh. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why was it that Tom could come in hardly able to move a flesh body 
but still rejoicing that he could come to the house of God because he was, li- he was living on the spiritual side, not the flesh side. And wh- here's the principle that I wanted us to get. Every one of us have a spirit side, uh, those that are saved. Have, if you're not saved, your spirit's dead. You're living for yourself and no one else. But when you get saved, Ephesians 1.13 says, the Holy Spirit of God moved into you. Forever. And so we who are saved, we're still living in the flesh. Somebody, somebody back there saying, look up there, that's Wayne Hudson. This is not Wayne Hudson. This is the earth suit Wayne Hudson wears. One day I'll be just like Tom. I'll leave the earth suit behind and go to be with the Father, but, and you'll bury the earth suit, but it's just the earth suit. It's not me. Y'all get it? Yes, sir. The Spirit is unseen inside. And so we have the flesh, you know, we pamper the flesh and live for the flesh a lot of the time. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, verse 7, is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can join everything in town. You can quote verses. You can sign a pledge card. You can give money. But until the Holy Spirit of God births you, you are not saved. You may be the most polished vessel in the house, but you're empty inside without God living in you. Jesus told that Pharisee of the Pharisees, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. What does that mean? That means born from above. It's born with a birth that only God can give us. You can't, you can't, you may be able to quote verses. You may be able to show a membership at the church. But, but until you're born again, you're still living in your flesh. And he says you can't please God, verse 8, in your flesh. You're the, the flesh is the residence, but it is not the spirit. So... You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. I want you to see the Christian's condition. My condition is I got saved in a moment, spiritually. And I've been sanctified for 70 years now, spiritually. But there's not been one good thing happened to this flesh as far as God is concerned. Nothing. He's no better than he was the day I got saved. He's still flesh. Every once in a while he'll show out. And there's some, some world pleasure that he just lusts for. And he'll drag me off into it. Look at it. Look at it. Over in Romans uh, chapter number 7, Paul's going to... I'll get there in a little bit. I want to go to... Uh, over here to Galatians, if you don't mind. Galatians, just go over a couple of chapters. To Galatians chapter number 5. Look at verse 16. 5.16 of Galatians. First Romans, First Second Corinthians, Galatians. This I say then... Well, this is a command. This is the command from headquarters. 
and it filtered down through the captain and some of the sergeants and finally it got down to the private in God's army. It's a command all the way from the headquarters. It's a command that must be obeyed. And he says to this old earth creature that is now, you know what a Christian is? He's a, he's a bag of flesh that's filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why. And kind of like a balloon. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not... Com- you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh, you say? That's that person that always has to be gratified by what motivates his flesh. So there's sexual perverts. There's entertainment perverts. There's education perverts. There's uh, funny perverts, people that have turned their attention to the things of this world rather than the things of God. But the commandment is to the commandment is to this this dwelling of God that you call Wayne Hudson and I call my earth suit, the commandment is you walk for brother, you walk according to the Spirit. That's the commandment. And, and then verse 17 gives you a new principle for this, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other. So you cannot do the things you would. So you got a choice. TV's running or some movie's on or or you got the Word of God. What you going to choose? Your flesh will go to the TV every time. God God allowed allowed Paul to tell Timothy, much study is a weariness of your flesh. If you want something from God, you're going to have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You want to meet with God, you want to walk with God, you want to be with God, you want to know the blessings of God, you're going to have to deny your flesh. If you want to be filled, see the flesh can't, the, that flesh will never, what gratifies the flesh is flesh work. And God will never fill a flesh-driven will. I don't know if I could make it. I don't know how to say that better than that. Look here. Look here in verse 17 now. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. Verse 18. Be led of the spirit, not, and you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, verse 19 are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness is a a lack of shame in immorality. If you take verse 19, you could say CBS, NBC. You could say most of the magazine and printed matter, the newscast on down would fit in verse 19. Wouldn't it? Some of the church stuff fits there. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. You notice he puts wrath and strife in the same verse with idolatry and witchcraft and hatred. Wow. Wow. We'd never be idolaters. We'd never be witchcraft. But independent fundamental Baptists will have wrath and hatred and anger and strife. We do it, don't we? 
It's a, it's a flesh work. Can you see it? Uh, I tell you, I've told you so on. But the fruit of the Spirit, the craving of the flesh, I'm not going to go to the fruit of the Spirit right now. I want to go over here to Romans chapter 7 now. Back up three, three books or four. Romans chapter 7. In verse number 15. I would like to read verse 13, the latter part. But seeing that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. He said, I'm under the law now. I'm hearing the law. And the law says, Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, if you look on a woman of the lust, you're guilty. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. He said, I'm living with the lust of my flesh. For that which I do, I allow not. And for that which I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. This is Paul. And Somebody said, well, he's just a new Christian, getting used to it. No. It's been 26 years since the day of the road to Damascus. He's already planted churches. He's already lived with all kinds of persecution and here's where he comes to if then I do that which I would not I consent to the law that it's good now then it's no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not For the good that I would do, I do not. The evil which I would not, that I... You mean Paul? You said that, Paul? I mean, you're the church builder, the the Bible writer. You're You're the soul... Paul, what do you mean? I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. We could go back to Galatians and see it again. You can read it in chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. But, it, but here it is. Get this, Christian. We're just sinners saved by grace. I, I found this the other day. I quoted it at, in Brother Tom's funeral message. John Newton, 83 years old, had written Amazing Grace. He had been a he had been a slave to the slaves. He had been a devil combating the gospel as a seaman. Eighty-three years old, and he said, I don't, he said to someone, I don't have much memory anymore. But I can remember two things. You need to get it, Christian. I am, first of all, I am a great sinner. Hey, if Paul said that after 26 years of ministry, what should we say? John Newton said it after a lifetime of amazing grace. What are you going to say? Well, I'm a member of the church. Don't accuse me. I can't handle it. You need to handle it, brother. We need to get a hold of who we really are. We are great sinners. You ought to stand in the mirror and look at him and discuss it with him sometime.
The greatest enemy I have to serve God is this guy that, that has me wrapped up and carries me around. Secondly, he said, I can remember that Christ is a great Savior. He came to save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul said. So he's going to say a lot of stuff about those two natures. We all carry the two natures. And then he says this, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I, I, he's going to say another place, I, I die daily. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, I believe it is. He said, if any man will come after me, let him forsake himself. And die, crucify himself daily. And then follow me. We jump from saved to following. And then we, when we're following, we're leading. I got, a, I got a grandson, he said, Grandpa, I asked him how he was doing on his job. He said, Grandpa, I'm a Hudson. You know how we are. I said, no, I don't. Bryce, I don't know what, how we are. How are we? He said, well, we get introduced to something today, and tomorrow we're experts. <laughs> That's Christians, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yesterday I was a sinner without God. I got saved, and now I'm an expert. I can tell everybody. Right. No, we're just sinners who need the Savior. We need him more today than we ever need him. He, we need him to empty us out, wash us, cleanse us, and then fill us. I, I'll finish it tonight. I can't finish it this morning. This was supposed to be the introduction for tonight. But. Are you full or empty? You got a little touch here and there, a smell, you know. I grew up in the oil field. When I got my first car, we couldn't afford gas. But in the oil field, we worked in the oil field. They had those condensate drips out there in the oil field, and I knew where some were. And I could go fill up. Sometimes it was condensate, sometimes it was water. You might not get back to town sometimes. But it smelled like gas, but it wasn't gas. We may have a little flavor of the Holy Spirit in us, but we're not we're far from under the control of the Holy Spirit. And he says that we are the household of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if anybody's going to carry the Holy Spirit in Fort Worth, Texas, it better be us, hadn't it? I mean, there may be others over yonder, yonder, up. I, I can't. But here, we have got the Bible. We've heard the preaching. We've 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 even made professions. But what are you going to do with the Holy Spirit? Where are you going with it? What will you do? Would you let him fill you and be a vessel and carry that gospel to a lost dying world? Would you get to the would you get have a prayer meeting and Meet with him and let him fill you up. Would you let him empty out all of the junk that's in your life and get you back to a place of serving him? Would you? 
then would you serve? Let's stand. Father, I pray that you just had your way here this morning. And I know this is a stiff message. I know it. And if Paul needed it, we need it. Lord, I just ask you to show us who we really are and what we really need to be. Please have your way with us, Lord. Please direct and work and guide in this service and in this church. Make us the people you'd have us to be. That old song said, take me make me and break me and fill me oh Holy Spirit just live in me use us as messengers of the gospel help us to be the vessels of honor fit and meet for the master's use Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you that you're a saving Savior. And anybody that's here could be saved this morning by simply trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray about us that are saved also that we might look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, get our focus set on him. Have your way now. In Jesus' name, I pray.